Hello, and welcome to Macro Minutes. During each episode, we'll be joined by RBC Capital Markets experts to provide high conviction insights on the latest developments in financial markets and the global economy. Please listen to the end of this recording for important disclosures. Bienvenue, welcome to the latest edition of Macro Minutes entitled Regardons en Avance, Let's Look Ahead, being recorded at 9 a.m. Eastern on December 5th. I'm your host, Simon Dealey. As 2023 comes to a close, we shift focus to what to expect in 2024, with year-ahead outlooks released for Europe, the U.S., and Canada last week. Will macro data show clear direction towards reaching the 2% inflation target? How soon will central banks cut? These questions and more will be the focus of this edition. As usual, we have an excellent mix of RBC experts speaking. Blake Gwynn will give expectations for the U.S. in 2024, followed by Peter Shafrick on the Euro area and the U.K., and myself for Canada. Santosh Satish, Head of Credit Derivatives Trading, will finish up with his views and outlook for the credit market. Over to you, Blake. Thanks, Simon. So um, to give a brief overlook of our 2024 year ahead outlook uh, that we published last week, I'll just start on the economic side. Um, You know, the title of our piece, which I think very aptly sums up our view on the economic outlook, but also I think uh, rates outlook to some extent, is bending, not breaking. So what we see for the U.S. economy into 2024 is that growing headwinds are going to continue to slow consumption, um, that we're starting to see some cracks in the labor market and expect more softening there to come. But we point out that the starting point for both of those is still quite strong. Also, we think inflation continues to head in the right direction, uh, maybe some bumps, some starts and stops along the way, but that overall, uh, you know, falling OER will continue to put downward pressure on inflation throughout the year. Um, all told, we don't see this tipping into a hard landing. It's softening, uh, but really more what I would consider some normalization rather than um, you know a tip over into a recession. What that means for the Fed, um, I think we do look at cuts starting in June of next year. Uh, we see this more as kind of a gradual adjustment process rather than a very quick cutting cycle to get us back into accommodative territory. The way we've been kind of framing it is this is really, you know, the Fed trying to prevent a hard landing rather than uh, being forced to respond to one. I think on those cuts, you know, I think the bar to those is actually a lot lower than markets think it may be. I think if you look at the Fed's SEP dots from September, even though they were widely viewed as hawkish, given that they took some of the cuts out of 2024, it still shows that the Fed is willing to cut rates when inflation is above target and even before the unemployment rate has really started to tick up. Uh, you know, to any significant degree. This is really, I think, due to the way the Fed views balance of risk for the last, you know, year and a half, two years. All they've really had to be focused on is upside risk to inflation. But as inflation continues to come closer to target, even if it's still above that 2% range, it allows the Fed more latitude to really address any kind of growing risks on the labor side of their mandate. So that's really where we see the Fed moving into this cutting cycle, not really because of anything that's happening on the inflation side, but if inflation does continue to lower, it just gives them uh, more latitude to respond to to growth, to labor side of their mandate. As far as what that means for rates, uh, we think both the, you know, the slowing in the data and moving into this cutting cycle for the Fed will continue to put downward pressure on rates. Uh, We think that will be most pronounced at the front end and in the belly. So this should lead to some curve steepening. I think we probably have a bit more conviction on the curve steepening view than we do on the outright duration view. And the reason I say that is because even if we look at some of the risks around our outlook, those all also point to steepening as well. So on the downside, uh, if the economy does move into a hard landing or things slow down more than expected, 
that obviously would lead to even more of this bull steepening that is kind of our base case. But even on the upside, if the economy actually stays a lot more resilient than we expect, much as it did in 2023, as we saw over the last few months, that can actually result in curve steepening as well, just of the bearish variety rather than the bullish variety. And that's because if the Fed is very reluctant to restart that hiking cycle as the economy you know, remains resilient, we would expect markets to price that in as additional term premium in the back end. One other place where I think this could come into play is that we see the term premium story that was very big over the last two or three months in the U.S. Um, we think that term premium story that's really centered around supply and demand, we think that has largely already been priced in. We don't see another move higher in term premium specifically around kind of supply and demand in 2024. But if we are wrong on that front, that also would result in in curve steepening of the bearish variety rather than the bullish variety. So I think, you know, our base case is that we get this bull steepening as the economy slows and the Fed starts to cut. But even in many of those risks to our outlook, uh, you know, places where we could be wrong, we would still see that manifesting in curve steepening just of a bearish variety. Thanks very much, Blake. Insightful as always. Now over to Peter. Thank you, Simon, and uh, thank you, Blake. I think I'll try to um, continue where Blake left off. So he has just elaborated uh, that um, the Fed will engineer some rate cuts um, in order to avoid sort of a hard landing. Now, I think the situation in Europe in so far is slightly different that we're essentially already in a bit of a soft landing scenario because one of the things that has happened over here in contrast to the U.S. is that we've eroded um, disposable income quite significantly as we have such a backloaded wage negotiation timetable. So what happens in Europe typically is that prices rise and then um, wages only pick up with a very large lag, whereas in other parts of the world that happens much faster. And as a response, our second half of 2023 has been quite weak. The UK has been barely growing and the euro area is probably already in a technical recession. Now, the upshot is that going forward, there are likely some stabilization factors coming in as wages um, in the UK are still around about 8% and um, the euro area we're probably going to be um, somewhere below that but still significantly um, above where inflation is likely going to be and that should really help the consumption part of the economy stabilize. Now that means that from a relatively weak starting point in terms of economic growth, we're most likely going to stabilize rather than decelerate and that's a good starting point. Now secondly, when you look at the inflation picture, one of the things that really has happened, and I would have said this probably with a little bit more confidence um, if we had this call about a week before um, uh, we're having it now, because we had some very weak inflation readings, but nevertheless, the pricing in the market when you look at the inflation fixing suggests that we're back at target um, for the ECB and the Bank of England, um, probably in Q1, the latest in Q2 next year. And if that is the case, um, then the market essentially deducts that the central banks will be in a position to reduce rates, particularly the ECB. Now, we think the risk to that, um, particularly given everything I just said about the labor market and the wage negotiations, is probably slightly to the upside. And then the last point, why we probably disagree slightly with the very aggressive rate-cutting path that we're already seeing, particularly for the ECB, is that we disagree slightly 
on the reaction function the market seems to be pricing. The central banks, yes, they've changed their rhetoric a little bit, and uh, our new um, relative new AI power tool, central bank AI side, indicates as much. But it's neutral currently, and we're not really getting any signals from the ECB that they would be ready to cut, no, certainly not as quickly as the market is um, implying. Um, and therefore, ultimately, what we expect is an on-hold um, strategy from both the Bank of England as well as the ECB, which contrasts with the quite aggressive pricing um, that we're currently seeing. Uh, we therefore think that we'll probably see a little bit of an underperformance, relatively speaking. And if I may raise one last topic, if you look at the relative pricing, that's even starker um, because um, on the way up in interest rates, we obviously have seen the ECB in particular as being a laggard. Now the market prices it as one of the leaders, uh, which I think is not necessarily in line with what we've seen historically, certainly not most recently, and therefore I would, um, back, to, uh, I would back to differ on that one. Now, very, very briefly, I'd also like to touch upon the central bank meetings that we're going to have next week. So we've got the Bank of England meeting and the ECB meeting. Um, I, I think the Bank of England meeting should be a relatively pedestrian affair um, as We'll not get any updates in the economic forecast. But the ECB one might be a little bit more interesting because they will roll out a new 2026 forecast, which would probably be um, at or below the central bank's target. But I expect them to um, talk this down a little bit um, because you know that would on the face of it, give a very strong signal, but that's probably not the signal that they would want to send. The second topic that I would raise is that there is a non-negligible probability um, that they would announce a change in the PEP program, or rather the investment um, for of the PEP program, which they so far have said um, that they would um, keep going, the reinvestments, until the end of 2024, and it seems to be a bit out of uh, out of lockstep with some of the other central banks, or certainly the, the other um, elements in the market. Market, and they have said that they would look at this topic and we could definitely see that they would make an announcement that brings the end of the reinvestment, at least um, partial end of the reinvestment forward, maybe into early next year. And that could be something that we would be talking about next week. So stay tuned for that. Great stuff as always, Peter. Thanks very much. Now we'll switch over to Canada. Uh, activity has been soft here for some time. Last week's data reinforced this with the unemployment rate continuing to push higher hours work moving down, and household consumption being flat for the second straight quarter in Q3, despite high population growth. We therefore expect the BOC's economic assessment to again focus on the economy's movement to excess supply and weakening in labor market conditions. The key adjustment in the December 6th statement should be the characterization of inflation, with October's intensifying of inflation risks seeming dated after two straight encouragingly low prints for core inflation. We do anticipate that the BOC will retain some optionality for hiking again, but more broadly, the statement and the progress report on December 7th should be noteworthy for an expected evolution to a more neutral stance. For 2024 as a whole, we expect the macro picture to remain lackluster as growth should be around flat in Q4 and 2024 Q1, while the unemployment rate continues to rise. The biggest risk is to the downside that GDP growth is either weaker around year end or the soft period extends longer into 2024 with the unemployment rate per peak perhaps too modest at around 6.5%. Inflation is expected to track lower in a lagged response to the activity side with core inflation likely to be around 2% by Q3 of next year. Given our weak but close to soft landing forecast profile, we think early cuts are unlikely from the BOC. 
Our base case is for cuts starting in July and continuing at a 25 basis point per meeting pace. We put a 60% probability on this scenario. The downside economic scenario is consistent with earlier cuts or more than 100 basis points of easing over 2024. We pegged this scenario at 25%. With a 15% residual of further hikes if activity strengthens and or a resurgence in core inflation warrants it. The combination of macro and BOC profiles suggests a downward trend in term yields throughout the year, with materially inverted front-end curves, such as 2s, 5s, 2s, 10s, giving way to steepening as we approach the first BOC cuts. Our current bias is for steepening out the curve, so 10s, 30s, and GOC underperformance against, US, against Treasuries also out the curve. Now we'll shift from the rate space to credit with Santosh Satish. Over to you. Thanks, Simon, and uh, thanks very much for uh, giving me uh, some time to talk about credit. Um, so for, by way of introduction, uh, I trade credit derivatives here at RBC, which is a new product for the bank. Uh, and we've had a very interesting last month and a half or so in line with some of the moves in expectations around interest rates. Uh, most notably, after we've had a peak in rates in October, we've seen a very aggressive rally in credit spreads, both in the investment grade as well as in the high yield space uh, over the last month and a half. Uh, investment grade, C CDX investment grade rallied 19 basis points from its Y point to the trough, and high yield has rallied 100 basis points. And in the middle of that, we actually had a default Rite Aid. Uh, and, and in spite of that default, high yield still notched a very aggressive rally. Where we are right now is pricing in perhaps the most uh, aggressive softening uh, or soft landing expectations that we've seen all year, and maybe some of the most aggressive credit spreads we've seen in the last 18 months. Uh, CDX high yield is at 400 basis points, which is the tightest point it's been since early 2022. And CDX IG is in the low 60s at 62.5 basis points, similarly at this tight point. Even at uh, second order products, volatility and curves continue to be pricing soft landings as well, with three month volatility and credit, uh, credit spreads at its lows since the middle of 2021. So right now, the expectations are for a very sanguine uh, entry into 2024, both on the data front as well as on uh, Fed interest rate expectations. However, the softening in data and perhaps a wobble in towards a uh, early 2024 uh, rate cut uh, is not at all being priced in from Credit Express from our perspective. We think the market at this point is expecting a very smooth sailing, but to us, that's a very difficult uh, expectation to validate or at least to hold at these pricing price points. Case in point is with uh, how high yield, uh, CDX high yield, which is 100 names of uh, the most liquidly traded high yield single name CDS at 400 basis points. Of that 400 basis points, 25% of that spread is encapsulated within the widest 10 names. And that is basically demonstrating how much of the juice has been squeezed in CDX and in credit in general at this point. If you're getting long risk credit spreads, you're basically betting on the lowest quality uh, companies to rally at this stage. And the rest of the market is at this point pricing an extreme price perfection. So we feel very strongly about the risk reward and credit spreads tilted much more towards widening and towards risk off. So we do feel that there's much more yield to be had, or at least much more risk adjusted returns to be had in space versus in credit. We would recommend clients looking at more bearish or at least downside hedging structures, both in credit spot as well as in credit options. Great. Thank you, Santosh. And just a reminder that uh, the regional rates outlooks discussed on the call are available on the RBC Insight website. Thanks for listening and talk again soon. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. 
It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.